Email is dead. No, it isn't. Email is the most powerful marketing tool on the planet. Which is it and how can copywriters use email marketing to boost their business? Today, we've got email marketing strategist Sarah Anderson on the show. I'm going to be picking her brains about email marketing techniques and tips we can use to land clients who want great email copy written for them. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters and that's where you can find all sorts of courses, coaching and content. This is when I normally say hello to Kate, but it's just me and my fantastic guest today. Welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, Sarah. Hey, thanks for having me. I think this is going to be really interesting because I know that our listeners know that email is one of the most powerful strategies that they can employ, not only for their own business, but to get new clients. So I really want to uh, uncover some great advice, which I know you have, because I've watched your video series. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Let's get into it. Um, Cool. So for listeners who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I am a copywriter and email strategist. Uh, I started copywriting a few years ago doing kind of like general web copy and all those different things. And I niched down to just doing email copy last year. And I love it. Like there's a lot of need there. There is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of great stuff you can be doing with email for your own business and for your clients. So I'm working with coaches and course creators mostly to help them sell their programs and their courses via email. Um, and I'm based in Colorado. Um, <laughs> this is the awkward intro part. I don't know what else to say. All right. That's cool. That's cool. Well, we'll, you know, people by the end of this podcast will know a little bit more about you, but yeah. I want to talk about how you got into copywriting because yeah. of course I did some research on you and there was a story about yarn and what you did before. So a lot of our listeners have also made the leap into copywriting from doing something completely different. So can you tell us how you, how you got into copywriting? Yeah. So I had kind of like a long windy road to copywriting. I was actually doing my another business before. So the yarn thing is I had an Etsy shop where I was selling hand dyed yarns to knitters all over the world, because that's, that's something to know about me. I am a crazy obsessed knitter. Like I've been knitting since I was in middle school and I knit all the time. No and judgment was, here. I know yeah. a lot of knitters. They're great people. Yeah. it's So I knew how to make yarn. I knew how to dye it, but then it was like, okay, I can list it on Etsy, but how am I actually going to sell this? Because Etsy is a super crowded platform. So that's when I started learning everything I could about online marketing and business and how to actually like stand out and how to write better product descriptions that's when I actually started doing email marketing. I started an email list because, you know, everyone, everything I was learning was like, oh, you need an email list. That's how you, mm. you know, get this group of customers that want to buy from you. Uh, and well, I was on a webinar, like learning something about online marketing and someone on there mentioned Ash Amberger and her site, themiddlefingerproject.org. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is that? I need to check that out. Cause it's like a pretty, like when you hear that URL, it's like, I need to find out what this is. And that's when I learned the copywriting was a thing that I didn't even realize that that's what I was doing for my own business too. And I also didn't realize that every other business didn't do all of the things for their own business. Cause I was making the product, I was photographing it. I was listing it. I was writing all the, 
descriptions. I was marketing. I was shipping it. I was doing everything. And I didn't realize that this is not everyone runs their business like that. Um, So I had been an English writing major in college. I liked writing, but I never like wanted to be a novelist or an English teacher or whatever. So I thought, okay, I just got one of those useless English degrees. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I found out about copyright and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the thing I should be doing. So that's when I started learning everything I could specifically about copy, not just general marketing. Um, and so I was reading all the books and I, I jumped on Elance actually and got my first couple of clients there. I, huh? my first job was actually writing emails. I got paid like 25 bucks to write two emails for this lady. Um, but so I didn't stay at Elance too long. Um, I ended up moving to my own site and setting up shop doing web copy for creative entrepreneurs, you know, marketing myself in Facebook groups. And I did both the yarn and the copy thing for about a year trying to figure out which one is the thing I want to do like long-term. And I decided after that to go all in on copy and just let the yarn be my fun little hobby again. Nice. I like that. And I had a, I find I was nodding quite a lot there because I know when I found out that copywriting was a thing you could do, I remember going, (gasps) what? this is something I can do all the time as a job away from this core. Like I came from a corporate background. I was like, I can actually get rid of the corporate life and do this thing that I really, really enjoy. So I love that kind of thunderbolt moment. And I feel like a lot of the listeners will have had that as well. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. It was like, oh my goodness, this is the thing I've been waiting for, you know, that it's like, it felt like perfectly aligned with, you know, what I like doing and what I want it for my, my life and my career. That's awesome. Well, um, in the intro, I raised the question of whether email marketing is actually effective, but I I don't think we really need to ask that question officially. Um, On your website, you've got email marketing averages a 3,800% return on investment. The ROI of email marketing outranks pay-per-click, social media, and content marketing, which is quite incredible. Can you share why you think it's so impactful and effective. Yes, it is. It's so good. And I wish more people, especially more copywriters (laughs) were doing it. Um, But like when you talk about social media, like I know that's where a lot of us do spend time. When you think about that compared to email marketing, like you actually get to show up to the people on your list when you're sending them an email where on social media, you don't know where your message is going to land, if they're even going to see it, you know, if it's in the algorithm or if you're going to have to pay for them to see it, like that's kind of the thing. And I know it's still effective, but email marketing is so much more effective because you actually have that direct line to people and your emails show up, you know, according to chronologically when you send them. And it's not like Gmail's got some like weird ranking system where you've got to like, you know, hack that to get in front of people. The other thing with email and I'll just, I'm leaving. this is speaking from my experience, but there's also studies on this. Everyone checks their email all the time. Like, yeah, too much, <laughs> too much. I know I am like guilty of looking at it in bed before I get up and like scrolling through my inbox to see what's new. So it's a way that it's like, it's not dying. People are still looking at their email a lot. And it's also a very personal way to connect with people because it is so one-to-one. It's not like an, a blast out like on your Facebook page or on Twitter that's like for everyone. You can actually write the email like you're writing it to one person and mm-hmm. have a one-to-one conversation because they can reply back and get to your inbox. And it, that's so valuable for one, building that connection and also really getting to know the people in your community and actually like finding out what they have questions about or what they're looking for from you. And that's why you'll, you'll hear people like Ramit Sethi, who is 
runs this huge business, you know, is the head of like this multi-million dollar business. And he still talks about that he checks and responds to the people that reply to his emails because it's so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I've got two thoughts on that because firstly is when someone opts in to hear from you, they are saying, I want to hear from you. So the connection is already there. And and as soon as you can engage some kind of response where someone is replying to an email, the connection's even stronger. Yeah. And I know, like, I'm no, you know, big wig, but when, when I respond to emails in questions about my recourse or the emails that I send out, people go, oh, my God, I can't believe you replied. So that instantly makes the connection even stronger. So as you said, like, it's a really personal way to talk to someone when neither of you are in the same room. Yes. Yeah. And so like, people are always surprised when you actually take the time to respond to an email and it's like, it's such a small thing to do, but it's like means a lot to that person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in your LinkedIn profile, which, which was funny because when I talked to you about this quote, you said, I didn't remember even writing about this, which, which is fun. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. Um, but you've got on your LinkedIn profile, I write high converting email copy using a proprietary process based on studies in human decision-making and my clients get results. And firstly, I wanted to point out to listeners this classic feature benefit combo. The feature is the proprietary process. The benefit to customers is the results they can get. So when you're talking about your staff listeners, remember to remind readers of how they will benefit because that's the important thing. But I want to dig into this process. I love the idea of studies in human decision-making. The marketing psychology in copywriting is something that I seriously nerd out on. So I wanted to, if you could share maybe the process in a bit more detail, maybe some information on these studies. What's this all about? Yeah. So, I mean, I can talk about my process and then talk about some of the psychology that comes in when I'm like planning out emails. So my process is probably similar to a lot of copywriters where it starts with the research. That's like, it's everything's based on the research. So talking to my clients, getting to know their business, getting to know their clients, uh, researching the market. I do a lot of like kind of eavesdropping and Facebook groups and things to kind of get to see how their target market is actually communicating. So I can pull that actual language into the copy. And then based on the research, what I find in the research and the goals that they have for the sequence, then I'll start to outline it. And that's where the strategy really comes in where I'm plotting out, how do we get them from, you know, point A to point B, wherever we're trying to get them with this sequence. So whether that's a new subscriber, trying to welcome them in and get them to maybe, you know, join their program or something, you know, we work out how we're going to actually do that with the emails. And then we go into writing and revisions and depend on the client's budget, we might even do testing and optimization. So not all my clients nice. have the, the time or the ability to do the testing, but if they do, we can look back and see how they're performing and tweak things depending on the stats that we're getting. Okay, cool. So talking about that human decision-making, do you have, have you done a lot of research into that yourself to kind of school yourself up or are you writing on instinct here? So I've done a lot of research in as far as like, I'm not doing the studies, but I'm looking at what's out there as far as mm-hmm. what's working and stuff. So like for emails, a lot of times the challenge is how do I get people to read these? How do I get them to open it? How do I get them to keep opening it? And that's when I look at stuff like open loops and cliffhangers that you can see are like really popular in like television and Hollywood. When you think about like Netflix series and stuff that you can't stop watching because they have made it so irresistible. And -hmm. I think about how can I pull that into email? So that's like, you can do that with the subject line, like making, like 
saying a subject line that like you have to open to read and find out. Like the my favorite example from a client project is I had a client that she had like through her old job, like Oprah had come to speak at their their workplace, like because it was like she worked out as a, a law she looked she worked as a lawyer at this firm that Oprah had this connection to. So like as like a team building thing, Oprah came to speak to them. And the speech that Oprah gave her like changed her life and made her be like, I need to go out on my own and do my own business. And like, I don't want to be stuck in corporate life anymore. So the subject line was how Oprah changed the course of my life. And it's like, like you got to open that to find out. Cause it's like, it's got that pull of like Oprah and that celebrity and how, like, what did Oprah do? <laughs> like, how do you know Oprah? So, yeah. Yeah. So you can do that in the subject line, like something like that, that it's not clickbait, you know, cause we're answering that. We're closing that loop in the email. That's the other thing with open loops though. So you gotta be careful that you're not just like stringing people along and you're never closing it. You can close the loop and then open another one, but you can't just like put it off forever. You can yeah. also do open loops in like a PS or the end of the email to kind of keep people coming through a sequence, like, you know, keep feeding them little bits, like opening something new and then closing to the next email. And then like, feeding them something else that's like, okay, let's, you know, to keep them moving through it. So it's not like, you know, that they get stuck somewhere or they just lose interest. Yeah, absolutely. PS is brilliant for all kinds of things. I think it's a really underused copywriting technique, the LPS. And I love that idea of kind of opening another problem in yes. the next, that's solved in the next email, opening another problem that's solved in the next email. That's what keeps people reading. Cause what you don't want is to them go, Oh, the subject line opened up a problem and it seems to have been answered in the email. Brilliant. Right. Read anymore. <laughs> I'm done. All right, cool. So I'm, I'm delving. I love talking about email sequence because I think as business owners and copywriters, there are lots of different types of sequences that we can um, send out. And it's obviously the types of sequences you're writing for clients. You've mentioned some of them. There's welcome sequences, nurturing sequences, conversion sequences, and they tend to lend themselves for big products. Maybe I'm not sure, but uh, what other sequences do we have? What, what do copywriters need to know about the types of email sequences that they can write for clients? Oh, they can write for clients. Yeah. There's a lot of different ones. That's like, yeah, the welcome sequence is a really important one. You can do like the evergreen sales sequence, which is kind of like a launch that they can run, you know, all the time without having to have like the big open close launch. That's really stressful on people. Mm -hmm. Um, and with those, like one of the most underrated sequences I find is the show up sequence. So that is to actually, once someone's opted in, like say you've got like an ad for a webinar and you want them to actually come to the webinar, like you need to write some emails to make them show up. So I've been doing yes. this, this thing on my blog lately where I'm doing email teardowns. So I'm like signing up for different influencers, uh, signing up through their ads to kind of go through their funnel and see what they're sending. And I am so surprised how many like big players aren't sending any kind of show up sequence. They're just sending automated webinar emails. Yeah. It's like, the webinar is starting in an hour. Like, okay. Like what, Yeah. why should I show up? Like, why should I set aside two hours to come to this? And you really like what, what gets me is these people know that these funnels are working because they're running ads to them. They're like evergreen funnels that have been running, you know, they've tested, I'm sure. And it's just like, why aren't you spending a little bit more time to convert all those leads, like into people that are going to come on this webinar that you know is going to sell. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think the key word there is convert. I think when people think about conversions, they think about the end sale. Yeah. But there's those micro conversions all the way along. There's the micro conversion to opt in. There's the micro conversion to show up, which is actually quite big. And then there's another conversion to get the sale. So every every step along the way is these series of conversions. And I absolutely agree whenever I see a an automated, hey, there's the webinar starting soon. I'm like, you're not giving me any reason to um, actually show up. But there's also that thing we do where we all opt into webinars on the off chance that we might be available maybe or interested. Yeah. And, and that's there's a, a lot of interest lost. When that's the thing, you don't know when someone opts in what their intent was. Like, are they a super fan that's like, oh, I really want to see this topic. I wrote it down. Like, I'm going to show up. Or are they like collecting webinars? Like, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. I'll like come to that or I'll see if there's a replay. You know, I don't really have time right now, but you know, maybe I'll check it out, you know, because that's probably a lot of people that are cold leads that don't know, you know, that aren't actually making an effort to show up and you're not helping them make it a priority. Yeah. And that's exactly right. So I love that kind of as an underrated sequence. So we've got clients asking for, do, do clients ask for welcome sequences? Because I feel that's another underrated and missed opportunity. What I'm doing a lot, what I'm seeing a lot more lately is people trying to use their welcome sequence as more of a evergreen sales sequence. So like they have a welcome sequence where they're nurturing people, but they're also using it to introduce like their signature product or like a small course they might have. Like I have clients that are service providers who are like maxed out on their one-on-one services. So they're trying to use their welcome sequence as a way to build up a little bit of passive income in -hmm. their business. But yeah, a welcome sequence... I wish more people had them. Like, I know we talked about some of the sequences that copywriters need, like copywriters. I wish you guys would have welcome sequences because I know that there have been a lot of copywriter lists that I've signed up for. And then it's like, I never hear from them again. Yeah, absolutely. And there's that kind of, you know, speaking of automated emails, um, thank you for subscribing. Boom. I'm like, that's it. Like, you know, the point of subscription and opting in or or saying I want to get more information, I feel like is the point of most interest. Right. And that's when you want to really engage them because they're probably looking for that email. You know, welcome emails are like the highest open, emails with the highest open rate. And it's like, if you don't send them anything, like that's such a huge lost opportunity right there. Yeah. So I'm going to be asking you for your tips on writing some of these sequences like welcome emails, for example, but I want to maybe talk about the timing because let's jump ahead because you talked about, you know, we just said when people opt into an email list, they are at the point of being most interested. So for me, that's when I know I have to send them an email immediately. And I also use the Fibonacci sequence, which is a very popular one for email um, sequences. And that's basically um, zero, one, one, two, three, five. So you spend send two day, two emails on the first day, one email on the following day, another email on the following day, and then you have a break. And so it goes on. I know you've heard about that. What, yeah. what do you think of the Fibonacci sequence? Why do you think it works? Well, I think it works is because the reason it works is because you do want to get more exposure to people at the beginning. Cause like you said, that's when they're the most interested. A lot of times people are going to their inbox to look for that email from you. Cause maybe they sign up for like a really juicy sounding freebie and they're like, okay, I want that right now. Now. <laughs> yeah. So when they are interested, you want to be showing up and not just like, here's your freebie bye forever. Like 
you want to get them. And that also helps to train them to start opening your emails. Like, and if you can show up consistently, like that also helps to build some trust in you that you're not mm-hmm. just going to like send them the freebie and then ghost them. So it's really a good way to start building that trust and building that relationship off on the right foot. Do you ever have clients say, well, too many emails. I don't want to send that many emails. I don't want to flood people. How do you respond to that? Yes, I know. Everyone is so worried about sending too many emails and being annoying. And it's mostly just, I talk about how, especially in like a welcome sequence, when you're doing nurturing, you're not really selling. It's really about being of service to Mm -hmm. the subscribers that are interested. Like they raise their hand, they want to hear from you. How can you help them the most? like kind of get into your world and learn from you and find out, you know, what it is that they signed up to, to solve. Cause you're often probably solving a problem. They have a problem that you can help them with. So how can we use the emails to really start being that person, that expert that they can trust and, you know, they can turn to for help. Yeah, that's right. And we, you know, we're not talking about seven emails in a day. Right. We're not talking about hourly emails. It's just enough to help um, have that response of look out for me because these are good. Yeah. So and that's a great way to, yeah. If you establish too, from the beginning that you send good emails, the emails you send are full of value. That's going to help in the long run with that relationship with that subscriber, that they're going to look for those emails. They're going to have, you know, when they see your name in the inbox, they're probably more likely to open it. Even if the subject line is kind of like, meh, you know, that they're like, Oh, she sends great emails. Like I need to read this. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of, you know, going back to emails that copywriters can package up for clients, like if people are interested in getting email strategy or email marketing and autoresponders as, as a service that they can offer, do you have any tips on, on how they could package it up? Yeah. So, you know, I always package things up as like the outcome. It's like you want a welcome sequence. So let's package up how, you know, the whole sequence. And I don't actually have like a package on my site. Like that's something I'm working on that people could just like pick and buy like this package. But I usually will give people a range of emails, like say the sequence would be like eight to 12 emails, which I don't know the exact number till I do like the strategy and plan it out. But I Mm -hmm. have an idea based on other projects of that type that I've done. This is what it usually is going to be. And so I then package that up, give them one big price to tell them like, this is it. And I don't actually break down the price per email for clients because it's I'm shaking it's my head at no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because then you might have people being like, well, this email is really short. Like, shouldn't it be cheaper? And it's like, no, 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 that's not yeah. how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works. And do you find clients need, like I know with a lot of other copywriting services, we do need to educate our clients on why the service is valuable and what value we bring. I imagine with email sequences, we'd all get clients saying, I need me an email sequence and I'd go and, but I don't know anything about it. So what kind of questions do you get? Like, how do you introduce them to saying to the idea of 12 emails? Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say that right now I don't have as many of those types of clients coming to me. And I, I don't really want to work with those clients either anymore that don't have a list yet. Or maybe like, I need an email sequence because someone told me I need an email sequence. I'm working more with people that are in the position to actually profit from the emails right away rather than like, Oh, I only have like 10 people on my list. So, cause it doesn't make sense for them to pay me, you know, several thousand dollars to put together an email sequence that they're not actually probably going to get sales from for a long time. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and also those people tend to not have as developed of businesses. So it makes it harder to do a great job because they don't necessarily know the market or the offer's not quite right yet. So I'm usually not selling people on why email is great. They're usually coming to me because okay. they've been struggling with doing it themselves. And they're just like, okay, I'm ready to let hand this over to an expert. Help me do it. Awesome. Um, I just want to loop back and apologize about that accent. I, that was <laughs> offensive and I apologize. Um, but yeah, so I mean, to listeners, if you're thinking of um, offering email marketing as a service, consider who you're selling it to, consider what education they might need and consider how you need to potentially tell them you're not quite ready yet or you're not going to get the return on this investment. So, you know, like all our services, we have to be able to market them to the right people. And, and obviously email marketing as an automation sequence is quite strategic. And if they and it takes a lot of time and effort to write all these emails. So to get the return on that investment, they really need to have an idea of what their objectives are and they have, need to have a decent list. Would you say that's a fair summary? Yeah, definitely. And they need to, I would say also have like list building under control so that they know how they're getting new subscribers. It's not just like, yeah, I've built this list over a few years, but it's kind of like stagnant. I want them to either be, you know, advertising or have like their Pinterest strategy in place so that they know that they're going to be able to add, especially if we're doing like a welcome sequence where like it's new subscribers opting in. Because mm -hmm. if you have like a list of a thousand or 10,000 people, like you're not retroactively going to put them through this new sequence. So how are you going to actually make sure that's working? You know, that's another thing with testing that if they don't have enough volume that we can't always do testing. Um, but that's the other thing is just, are they actively list building too? Do you do many reconnection sequences? I do a few of them. I have had that before where it's like, you know, oh, my list is like, I haven't emailed them in a long time. Like I need to kind of rewarm them up. Um, and I do that. Be and I also, that is when I kind of do a little bit more education. I'm talking about why it's good to, you know, clean your list, purge your list, get rid of these subscribers that maybe are not interested anymore because you haven't emailed them in six months and mm -hmm. why that's actually good for you. And, you know, it's going to help your open rates. It's going to help, you know, everything else with the list health be better if you actually get rid of this sort of dead weight subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a client recently and we were talking about this exact thing. Like we were talking about, I was kind of coaching her through um, writing a, a re-engagement sequence. And we were, I was saying, well, let's, these are, these are some milestones at which point you can say if they haven't even opened an email for the last year and they also haven't opened anything in your re-engagement sequence, you can delete them from your a database and she was like oh maybe we can just delete this tag so they don't and I'm like the more names you have on the database who aren't reading your emails at all firstly the more you're paying to your email marketing provider. yeah it gets expensive it's like why are you paying for someone that doesn't want to hear from you yeah that's exactly right and it'll improve all you'll get a much more accurate and realistic idea of who wants to hear from you if you just kick them off. Yeah. So we came up, you know, as part of this re-engagement sequence, we came up with a great offer. You know, there's that whole thing of emailing them and not selling them everything, anything, but trying to give them something and then bringing them back in a few emails, bringing like kind of retraining them that you're delivering good stuff and they should open your emails. Yeah. Cause if it's like, they've forgotten about you or you haven't been as present, like they might need that little bit of reminder to kind of transition them back to getting you hearing from you regularly. Yeah, that's right. So let's um let's dig into some tips here because firstly I'd like to know 
what do you think for our listeners? What email sequences should they absolutely be sending to their list? Because I'm assuming that our listeners are list building as they should be. Yes, yes, they should be. Uh, so they absolutely need a welcome sequence, um, as we talked about. And I, this is probably kind of an unpopular opinion, but I think they should also start selling in their welcome sequence. <gasps> yeah, I know. How dare you, Girl. right? <laughs> it's like you want people to know what you do and how they can hire you like from the get-go because this is what I found for my list at least like that a lot of people once they sign up they aren't actually ready to hire a copywriter but I want mm-hmm. them to know when they are ready I'm the copywriter they want to work with so I start yeah. by letting them know here's how you can work with me and I s- regularly make offers to my list about would you like to work with me here's how we can work together so that I am top of mind when they decide, okay, I am ready to get my email marketing, you know, fixed up. Like I want to go to this person because she knows what she's doing. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig into a welcome sequence. I'm going to ask you for three quick tips on three different sequences and let's start with the welcome one. So can you share three quick tips on what a welcome sequence should look like? Yeah. Okay. So I would say like, pick a goal for any sequence, even your welcome sequence. So whether that is getting them in your free Facebook group or whether that is getting them to buy something from you or hire you, like pick some kind of goal to be working towards so that you can also have something to measure when you are evaluating the sequence to see how it's working. Um, The other thing that I would talk about with, this is for actually just emails in general, but especially I see it in welcome emails a lot is to pick one call to action for the email. Like I see so many welcome emails that have like this huge long list of things they want you to do. They want you to download the freebie. They want you to reply. They want you to go -hmm. to their Facebook. They want you to share it. They want you to whitelist the email. They want you to do like a million things. I'm like, I'm not doing any of this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You had me one thing and then you lost me. Yeah. So that's like, always think about that with any of the emails in the sequence. And that's why if you want people to do all those things, those can all be different emails. So it's like really planning out what it is, what journey do you want people to take and walking them through that in your welcome sequence. So it sounds like for a welcome email, you want to actually kind of celebrate them actually being on, on your list and, and, you know, welcoming them to the sequence. That's the whole name of the sequence. Um, You want to, let them know how they can work with you and you want to maybe in follow-up emails have some other things is is getting them to respond because I know like in mine I ask a question that's usually what I do in the welcome email is that is the action is to ask them to reply and to kind of start getting to know and like I'll usually in mine it's something like you know what are you struggling with right now with email and I get responses that are like so valuable is to like when I'm planning content and emails and stuff that it's like, this is what people are actually asking me. This is what they want to learn. And it's also, you know, a great way to gauge, you know, what, what kind of people are joining your list. So if I have a lot of people that are like, should I choose MailChimp or ConvertKit? Like, it's like, okay, those are more beginners. Those aren't the people that are going to hire me. So that's yeah. kind of like, okay, I need to kind of maybe change where I'm sharing the list, what, how I'm marketing it. So it's really, you can get a lot of insight from that. What I found recently as well is I switched, I changed my question from, I ask a question, but I've started giving people a prompter where I say, I am struggling too. And I'm like, finish this sentence for me. And I found I get a much better response by just 
giving them a little startup at the same time. Yeah. Oh, that's so smart because it just makes it that much easier for them to do. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. So in the welcome sequence as well, I know a lot of people say, here are my top posts that you might be interested in. Is that something you recommend? You know, it depends on like, do you have really great posts? Like, I think it's great if you have a back category. Well, okay. Like some people don't, like some people are just like, I have like these three random blog posts that like anyone could have written. But if you have like a really great video, maybe you did a masterclass, maybe you have like, you know, like I do Facebook lives. Maybe I pick like some of my top ones of that and like send people that way just to kind of interact with me in a different way. I think Mm. it is, it could be a value, but just like think about, is the subscriber going to get something out of this? Or is this just to kind of like share me on another platform? Like, Like what's the point of sending it out? Yeah, that's cool. Um, So what about a nurturing sequence? And for me, a nurturing sequence means um, for my course, for example, people can opt in for updates, but the course may not be running for six months. So a nurturing sequence for me means keeping people connected over a long period of time. Have I got that right? Yeah. Yeah. Keeping like, that's just like kind of keeping that connection for, I don't really write a lot of nurturing sequence for clients. That's usually kind of like what I think of as their like regular weekly emails or whatever. For Mm. myself though, that's something that I do, you know, where I'm nurturing. And by that I'm, for me, I'm actually like sending offers once in a while. I'm sending them blog posts. I'm sending them cool resources. I'm sharing copywriting tips, you know, things that would be valuable and interesting to them and really just you know, keeping top of mind as a helpful resource to them. Okay. So as it sounds like they are emails that copywriters should be sending all the time to mm-hmm. keep people connected, not only just the automatic blog post that goes out, but maybe emails in between that kind of share other cool things and remind them that you're the subject matter expert and you can be hired. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, what about conversion sequences? Yeah. So on conversion sequence, like we could spend a whole masterclass workshop on conversion sequences. Definitely. Well, one thing I would say is, especially for if you're writing them, don't be afraid of writing really long emails because for conversion sequences, some of them can be like super long. Like I've had different sequences where like the FAQ email or different ones in the sequence, like are upwards of a thousand words, which is like a ton for an email. And Mm. you might have clients be like, well, that's kind of long. I don't know if we really want to send that, but like the people who are reading these really long emails are the people who are really interested in buying. Like when you, you know, when you look at these super long sales pages, if you are considering it, you're reading every single word. So it's okay to go like super long if it's, you know, towards that goal and it's helping them make that decision. If um, the content is also on a sales page, is it better to go, have you got questions, go and read them here or keep it in the email? You know, that's kind of like, I've seen it done both ways. For my sequences, I usually put stuff in the email because not everyone's going to get to that sales page. And Mm -hmm. especially if it's really long, like the FAQ might be tucked all the way at the bottom. They might not even get that far. So if you have, and I'll see this too, like people that have these amazing testimonials and case studies on their sales page and they don't put them in the emails. And it's like, why aren't you giving people every reason to click through? So it's kind of like the difference between, are you selling the click or are you selling the course sale. And usually in the emails for like a course launch, I'm selling the sale. Like they can click through and buy it, you know, but I'm not just selling them on clicking through that sales page. I want them to be, you know, sold before they get there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an interesting thing. Like, you know, do you, if you're, if, if all you're doing is sending blogs out to people, 
you're a copywriter, you've got a list and they're, they're getting the blogs you're regularly writing and publishing. You know, the question is, and I've, I've asked this of myself, do I put the whole blog in the email or do I have a little summary and a click to the blog? And the question I really ask myself is, what's the point of the click? Am I just trying to get a good statistic in my email marketing tool or do I genuinely want to help people? And if I genuinely want to help people, give them the information in the email. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I've come to for myself now, unless I have like a super long blog post. Like when I do these email teardowns that are like a couple thousand words and have all these graphics and stuff, that doesn't fit in the email. But if it's just like a simple kind of 500 word blog post, drop it in the email. That's helpful for them. Yeah, that's right. And it's the same with the FAQ. Are you like, are you trying to, is the conversion for you the click or is the conversion the sale? It's important to keep it in mind. And the other thing is if you're going to make someone click, it sounds like a really simple thing, but it's not because a click, I go, I'll read that later. Mm -hmm. And I never read on their phone that takes them to a whole nother application, you know, so they might not click through right then. Yeah. Or it's like me, I have 11,000 tabs open Right. And then every now and then I wonder why my computer's running so slow and I go and close all this stuff. And I'm glad I don't even remember why I've got this open. What's this? Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> so let's, I want to loop back with um, frequency. We talked about the Fibonacci sequence and, and then we talked about how many emails is too many emails. Now I got my answer, but what's your answer? How many emails is too many emails? I think it's too many if there's not like a good reason to send them, but I don't think you can be sending like, like we talked about daily emails, daily emails are not too many emails if it's like yes. relevant, interesting content for them. So tell me about, I absolutely agree, by the way, there's a, you know, there's, there's no such thing as too many emails if they're valuable. Yeah. So tell me your experience with daily emails. Yeah. So I decided to do this experiment last year. It was in November of last year. I had just been kind of feeling burnt out on my list. Like I just had like no inspiration. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to challenge myself <laughs> to send daily emails for a month. So I sent not quite daily. It was five days a week. I took the weekends off, but I thought, yeah. let's just see what happens. Uh, so I announced it to my list so that they would know that they were going to be getting daily emails because they were only used to getting about like once a week from me. Uh, and like nothing bad happened. That's the thing. <laughs> like people are afraid. <laughs> I'm sending too many emails that everyone will hate them, that all their subscribers will leave. Um, Mm -hmm. And nothing bad happened. I got one complaint email and that was it. But I had a lot of engagement. I had people responding back to me, you know, thanking me for these emails saying, you know, this was like, they loved hearing from me more. And I also like, I think in general, the open rate was a little bit lower than when I was sending just one email a week. But when you think about like, they had five opportunities to hear from me. And so probably yeah. more people were hearing from me throughout the week than when I would just send one email. Uh, and the unsubscribes were like equal to what I was sending before. It wasn't like a crazy amount of people just being like, okay, I'm out of this. Um, and it was really, it was really a opening experience to be like, okay, this is not like this big, scary thing. Yeah. I did the same thing. So I've, I've switched my blog to become the daily draft. And I did that as a similar kind of exercise where I'm like, actually, for me, I actually have been through my blog archive and I'm breaking up my posts into little snippets that I send out every day. And my premise is they're super short. Like they should yeah. take 30 seconds to a minute to read because when I'm looking through my own inbox, I'm quickly opening emails going, yep, yep, yep. Okay, cool. Archive. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want to burden people um, with too much information. And again, I thought people would leave in droves. I was like, this is crazy. I'm going to see what, that's an experiment. 
but this is going to be a bad experiment. And the same thing happened. I get regular replies saying, these are really helpful. This is really interesting. It's great to hear from you. Um, I get, they share their struggles with me. They share their stories and experiences, which is super useful for my marketing. And, you know, I've had people like I'm now at email 150 or something like that. And I'm honestly going, I can't believe people are still reading. Like you're listening. It's actually super useful information, but I'm not sure I have a daily in email in me. So I love the fact that it's right for some people. Yeah. And that's, that's why I ultimately decided not to continue with it. Cause it just, it's a lot of work to do a daily email every day, even if it is just a short thing that it's like, I'm not organized enough to like make it the thing for my business right now. And I also did not see a huge payoff for the time commitment that I was doing. Like I didn't get a ton more sales or clients from it, but it was, it was interesting to see that it wasn't about the number of emails. It wasn't like, yes. Yeah. And it's great to have the numbers to prove that. Yeah. And overall I found my subscriber count has gone up. So I'm getting more people in the long term staying on the list, which I just think it goes to show the power of email. If you write them well and you're sending people valuable content and you're making good use of their time, then they will keep opening the emails. And that's, I think, how listeners can sell strong email sequences to their clients as well. Yeah, that it's really about the subscriber. And that's what I always think about too, is like the subscriber's journey and how you can make your emails really like tailored to them. So like one thing that I talk to clients a lot about is to make sure that when you're sending someone a welcome sequence, they're not getting your regular newsletter emails because like that is that's just the wrong way to treat a new subscriber to like be bombarding them. Um, like I had this experience once that I signed up for someone, you know, random person's list on Facebook and I got her welcome email. And then like three hours later, I got this, like, you know, three hours left, you know, the thing is closing, like buy it now. And I was like, who are you? Like, (laughs) I am not buying this. Like, this is not the right time to have this kind of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's like thinking about how you can best serve that subscriber and making sure every part of your email strategy is working for that subscriber. And I think that's also as we get, we get used to like, for me, as I get used to, um, my email marketing tools convert kit and it's very powerful. And most email marketing tools give you a lot of power to create this really personal tailored experience, but oh my gosh, it can get so confusing with tagging and sequencing and follow-ons. And so it is worth um, making sure you understand not only the journey that you want a subscriber to go on, but how it connects to other sequences that you're either writing for yourself and for other people. Because if you, as soon as you get that email crossover, it can be enough to have someone go, nah, I'm out. Yeah. And that's a really great value add. If you are a copywriter offering email services to offer, to help with the implementation and setup, because your client might not know how to do all that correctly. Um, you know, like I personally don't know how to do it in all of the different services, but if I have co- uh, clients using ConvertKit, which is what I use also. I'm like, hey, do you want me to check, like hop in there and make sure everything's working okay? Like check the tags, check the automations, make sure to make sure that they're not going to be getting that like the wrong stuff at the wrong time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, you know, it can be, it can be a confusing nightmare. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, but <laughs> when it all goes wrong, but when it works, it's really easy. Like it's really nice to see emails going out and people going on the journey and the story that for me, when I've written an email sequence, it's like writing a landing page. 
I want people to go on a journey and I want to think about what objections they're going to have. And I want to meet those objections at the right time. Yes, exactly. And you have to kind of know ahead of time, like how this journey is going to play out so that you can meet them there. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think that's, yeah, think of an email sequence like a landing page that you're delivering over a longer period of time. Yeah, or like I think of like a sales sequence as like a, like the sales page is vertical, but the sales emails are horizontal. So they're kind of like walking them through the same steps that they might go through on that sales page, just like email by email. Yeah, that's exactly right. And like where we skim up and down a sales page mm-hmm. and we miss probably 50% of the information, email is a great way to have those different segments read. Yeah. And give them that attention that they need, you know, cause it's not yeah. all, you know, in that one big long page, super long page. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Well, thank you, Sarah. I wonder as we wrap up, can you leave us with maybe one tip for copywriters who, who are thinking about email sequences for themselves or maybe as a service, what advice would you give them? I would say start experimenting with your own list. Like that's something that I have done to learn how to do stuff for clients is to just start trying stuff. And so like, if you don't have a list, you're not sure, like start working on list building. And then when your clients have questions about that, you'll have, you know, you'll be able to speak to that too. If you're not sure, you know, how to do all the tagging and segmenting and stuff, just start trying stuff out. And you know, really it's very forgiving. You can experiment with things and you're not going to like blow up convert kit. You know, you can really try stuff out. And, you know, even like I did with the daily emails, like you don't have to keep doing it, but just, you know, look at it, test it and see what's working. Yeah, absolutely. And I like, I I would add, um, write emails to one person. I really said that earlier. And I think it's really true because, you know, even if we use the classic personalization tag. You know, when I open the email, it says, hi, Belinda. Mm -hmm. That's one person, you, Sarah, talking to me as the email reader. And I think it's really important to write them. Yeah. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine when I see people that are like, hey guys, and like are blatantly like acting like they're talking to a whole group of people. Cause it just like breaks that illusion of like you're emailing me, you know? So, you know, that, that whole personalization tag we all know what it is. Mm-hmm. We know it's a field in a database, but our brains don't really know that. And there's something that hooks us in when our name's being used. And it sounds like a cliche, but it works. Yeah. And it works in the subject line. If you want to put their name there, like that stands out because not everyone does it, you know, and people are very interested in themselves. Yes, that's very true. Well, on that note, I want to thank you very much for sharing all your wisdom today, Sarah. We're going to have um, lots of links that you've been very generous with in our show notes. Um, you can be able to listen as you'll be able to see where to find Sarah, um, sign up for her own email sequence, which, um, what's it called, Sarah, the one you've got on Facebook? Oh, um, that is my 25 days to better emails, the video series that I've got That's going. Right. So it's like little bite-sized tips that I did, you know, every a tip for each day. I remember watching that on LinkedIn. It was great yeah. stuff. Great stuff. Well, um, regular listeners will know that this is when we read out a review of the show today. I'm giving a shout out to Kerry B100 from Australia. And Kerry says, thanks for a great podcast offering equal bouts of info and cheekiness, easy to listen to and gives a unique and interesting perspective. Thank you very much, Kerry. And thank you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. 
and Stitcher. Your review helps other copywriters find us. And just like Kerry B, we'll give you a shout out on the show. You can also head to hotcopypodcast.com to see the show notes, all the lovely links I just mentioned, and to find out a bit more about Sarah and leave your thoughts. So thank you once again, Sarah. It's been really cool to chat. Thanks for having me, Belinda. This is great. Cool. Until next time, everyone, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. going to adjust this because I have a habit of talking like this and more than once we've had to stop a podcast recording because I've knocked everything off my desk (laughs) so I'm just (laughs) I just want to make sure everything's safe it's all very professional Sarah I assure you Kate is way more professional (laughs) 